Does the safari guarantee I come back alive? We guarantee nothing. Except the dinosaurs. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room if you dare. Welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation about, uh, was it 1972's The Film Asylum? We had a lot of fun talking about that. It was a little weird. Um, and um, if, if you enjoyed that, I hope that you successfully projected yourself into a little tiny doll that was full of organs. And hid all the body parts where they could get to your enemies. Yeah, just wrap them in deli paper. You're good to go. So, <laughs> so yeah, welcome to Strange Highways. This is a show in which we have been watching The Twilight Zone. Uh, it is an anthology show. We've watched the original series, all five seasons. You guys can go back, check that out. We've checked out um, both seasons of the Paramount Plus uh, series that was produced by Jordan Peele. And we're in the middle of season one of the 80s series, but we are taking a brief uh, detour uh, getting into the spooky month here. So we have, was it two, three more weeks of spooky stuff before we get back to the Twilight Zone, which is spooky of itself. I think it's two more weeks. Spooky. Spooky. All spooky. All spooky. It is, uh, it's Terry's favorite time of year, which according to him, um, October starts um, somewhere in June and doesn't end until somewhere in June. Bring out your dead. <laughs> I like the idea. And your, and your buckets. Yeah. Yeah. And your boo buckets. <laughs> All your go, Halloween buckets. Go get your boo McDonald's buckets, everybody. Buckets. Go go be an entitled adult and get your McDonald's boo buckets. Jesus Christ. That's going to be a thing. <laughs> um, go, go. Uh, we're recording this whenever McDonald's is like doing like, hey, everybody, nostalgia. And like, you are you an adult now with money? And you're going to expect these people working like, you know, minimum wage to fulfill all your needs by giving you a plastic bucket with food in it? Go do that. We're entitled. We're entitled. 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 Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, like, I, like, okay, I know I'm a little older than you. Um, I never owned a boo bucket to my knowledge. Um, you know, if, <laughs> if I, if I were trick or treating, it was like, we had, we had, uh, like a grocery bag, like a, like a plastic grocery bag. We go door to door with that. So I had, I had a boo bag, I guess, I don't know, versus a bucket to go get candy. You I'm, know? I'm 39. I never had one of these buckets, but now that, uh, <laughs> Now that I figured out that they're coming out, I'm like, I need to have fun. I feel like I so. should uh, go just get you some large garbage cans and spray paint stencils on them and be like, here you go. Here's your, your boo cans or whatever. So you can have them year long. E- um, even then, like, I feel like I'm going to go over to McDonald's and bring my uh, pillow sack and put all my chicken nuggets in that anyways. <laughs> and like, like, are you going to like ask for sauces or just have them pour a bunch of sauce in the bag? Be like, I'll just shake it up. It's fine. We're good. No. Just just chuck it in there. <laughs> just chuck it in there. Oh, um, 
Okay, so I'm going to ask you this before we get into it. So, talk about anthology stuff. We're having a detour. We're getting into the Ray Bradbury Ray Bradbury Theater this evening, and also I should tell everybody, Terry and I have been talking for two hours before we started recording this episode. So, um, tells you, Love our, brother, <laughs> tell, tells you, you know, our excitement to get into this, and it's my mea culpa. So I picked it. Um, no, like. Um, you growing up, like you grew up in a different environment than I did in terms of like, you were like, you know, Cleveland local, right? Um, I grew up in the middle of nowhere. What was your trick or treating like, like in terms of like, you know, did you have your specific streets? Did you have a map laid out? Like what you're going to do or what? It was really the, uh, we knew like, so we grew up in a suburb and, um, so we kind of did the, the local streets, but then when you get a little older, people are like, the rich streets. So then we would travel to the rich streets and we would still get the same shit. So it's like, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like I, I don't know. Like there wasn't, there wasn't a good formula to it. So. I feel like you would go to the house that looks like the house from the people under the stairs. And then like the guy in the mask would come out and just give you <laughs> the like, mask. He would, just, he would just come out and like, give you like a Bible, like one of those mini Bibles or something, or like a shotgun shell. And you're like, well, that's not what I asked for, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> with, with Sean Whalen in the background without a tongue yelling for help, you know, whatever. Uh, oh my God. yeah, for me, it's like, I grew up in like, um, I mean, I grew up in like, uh, there where I was, it was an unincorporated area near my hometown. It was near a state park. So there was like houses nearby, but like, it wasn't like streets. It was more like, you know, some roads and stuff. So if you went trick or treating, you had to hike. You know, and it was like, and hike, I mean like uphills and like whatever. And it's like, so like you, like you had to try to make the best of it. So if that, if you weren't doing that, then, then my mom would take us in town, which but I'm using the word town in like lowercase T, like the smallest of T's. And there was a couple streets there that was what we considered like the better off areas. And then we would trick or treat there. So, you know. We would do that. And then I remember one time we got like, um, some like, uh, inspirational pamphlets, and then some toothbrushes. Uh, and that wasn't great. <laughs> and also there, that was this during the time whenever, so, um, my, myself and my younger brother, we're like a year and a half apart in age. But so when we were growing up, people thought we were twins cause we were that close in age to each other. And we also had blonde hair and, and blue eyes. And this was during the satanic panic. So like, uh, um, like my mom was terrified that like her chubby children would be picked up by Satanists and go sacrifice like for flight potion or whatever, like a warlock movie. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and so it's like, this is the middle of nowhere, West Virginia. Like if they're Satanists here, they're going to be lazy. You know, they're not going to like try to pick up the heavy kid, you know, whatever. Um, and so do you remember the little tiny, little tiny Louisville slugger bats? Like the ones that are yeah. like maybe six, seven inches. She had one of them yeah. like up her sleeve, just in, just in case of the Satanists were coming to get her fat children. You know, like <laughs> I like, I like your warlock reference. Um, <laughs> right. Cause it was him <laughs> sacrificing a fat kid for flight potion, right. Or flight, whatever it was. Right. Well, j- just know. a child for, for flight potion. Yeah. But yeah, the- <laughs> I thought, it, I thought it was like the fatter, the faster you'd fly or something. I'm not remembering. Well, it was movie just correct. a fat of a child. <laughs> I know well, that movie really yeah, well because yeah. I love that movie. So, so but. if if the warlock caught me, he would have uh, like broken. <laughs> um, he would have sure. broken the light speed like time. Like he would have went back in time. Um, that would have been bad, you know. Like he would have went back to the age of the dinosaurs. There we go. We're bringing it back. So, 
So I think we had two different trick or treating situations, but yeah, I just remember, I just remember my mom being so aware of like Satanists out there, which was not a thing, but that was what the media was saying. You know, it was so stupid. But yeah, it, it, but really, what it boils down to is we didn't have McDonald's Halloween buckets. I mean, sadly, we, I wasn't that rich to have a Halloween like a McDonald's bucket. We weren't like we didn't have those fancy eats like McDonald's. So anyway, but uh, guess what? They're coming back, and we're gonna get them. We're gonna get them. I, I just as much as this like as our show is this like an anthology and we we look back at things and we we enjoy the conversation. I really get tired of nostalgia. Nostalgia, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no, like forget forgive me everybody listening. Like we like so we've been talking two hours before we start recording and we we've, we've been in our cups a little bit. We've, you know, we well, cracked our beers. Yeah, welcome yeah. to the show. <laughs> um, Tonight's just a night. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of the, it's just my gosh, it's been a week, right? So. um Nostalgia is great till it's not, you know what I mean? Like, and I feel like, like, um, like on, on invasion of the podcast, the other show that I do, if you want to, if you want to get into the people that get into their cups, it's like a four hour long thing. Uh, go to that. Like last week on the episode, we talked about the boo buckets and we talked about, uh, there's these adult happy meals that are coming around and everybody was like, Oh, I don't I get, get that one. Well, go get I, them now. Like, sure. Whatever. I don't, I don't get it though. Like, I don't understand it. What do you I, mean? Like I just to understand why people want those ones. Like the boot buckets. Yes. I want one of those. Cause I never had one. Wait. So wait, so you're, you understand a plastic bucket that's in the shape of a ghost that you want that mm-hmm. yeah. versus a box that is like a house shape. Cause that's all the happy meals are. They look like houses that has a toy and a big Mac and fries. That's, that's confusing to you versus a plastic bucket with a face on it. Uh, you're talking to a guy who has jack-o'-lanterns and ghosts tattooed on him. <laughs> You do the math. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, uh, I I didn't know if we were recording in person tonight or via Skype. I wore I wore my hobgoblin shirt today. Oh, um, you mean your jack o' lantern shirt? No, well, I mean no, <laughs> no. It's the hobgoblin, and he happens to throw pumpkin bombs. I thought I thought I'm going to put a smile on Terry's face. He's going to come over and see that I'm wearing my hobgoblin shirt, which is He's not so a good. Halloween shirt, but it can be worn any time of year. So. Well, I'm Halloween ready all the time, man. So. I know. So anyway, uh, I'm sure we'll get into more uh, uh, Halloween uh, tomfoolery as we get into like the next couple of weeks here. But um, yeah. Maybe uh, even later tonight. Who sure. Knows? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, speaking of our show. I, this have is my... two, I have two beers haven't been cracked yet. So oh, like, let's I, go. I got to tell you. Like, oh, I, 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 like um, well, okay. So another side. Eh, here we go. Um there's that break point, right? So we're at the 13th right now recording this on the 13th of October. Um, and it feels like, uh, with, with the, the fall beers, they're around for this first couple of weeks and then everything shifts to like winter beers, like amazingly fast. Right. The, which is what happens with the, in the middle of the summer, everything switched to fall beers. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have now found the, uh, the Hershey's Porter from Yingling and oh. it's really, oh, Steve, really good. Steve it, King, Steve King. If you're I, listening, you yeah, know what's up. Yeah, he tried to poison me with one that he kept for a year, but whatever. That's not here nor there. Um, I, <laughs> it's like it tastes like chocolate, and it's wonderful. And I know that may not be. I mean, chocolate's a Halloween thing, but I think these are more geared towards the the winter. So I'm, I'm enjoying them, and I'm drinking them right now. So I just wanted to let everybody know, uh, winter beers are here. So Halloween's over, everybody. Good night. What? See you. <laughs> no, no, no. Stop. Stop recording. Reverse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyway, um, yes. Uh, 
Thank you everybody for like you know checking in the show. Like, I don't like, like like I like the yeah, idea. If you're a new listener. I like I like the idea that they're, they're tuning in. Thank you. That they downloaded the podcast and they're tuning in like 11 minutes in like it's a radio station. Like boop, boop, boop. like oh oh good here they are. So all right uh, thank you for listening to the show. Um, this is like I said anthology based. We are getting into now the Ray Bradbury Theater. Uh, it was a series that ran for what six seasons? I looked this up like on the internet. You know. Ta-da. From eighty-five to ninety-two. Yeah, and it got it got a little weird because the first couple seasons were a co-production of First Choice Super Channel, which is a Canadian thing, and then HBO. Which, if I don't know if you recall HBO at the time, they they had their own original programming. It's not exactly the same of what we now think of HBO. So right. Yeah. So the first two seasons were that. And then the last seat, the, the, the other seasons were with the USA network, which is what, like, that's one of the seasons we're getting into here. I'm going to guess the USA network didn't have the biggest of budgets. Just throw that out there. But, um, it's, it's probably the same type of budget as like a monster show or a tales from the, the, the dark side. That's kind of how I feel about it. But with this being said, all of these episodes from the Ray Bradbury theater were based upon Ray Bradbury stories. And it looks like he wrote like most of the scripts for everything. And he was the host of the show. And uh, as we've talked about previously on um, strange highways, uh, Ray Bradbury is an interesting character. Like definitely one of the greatest, like, you know, science fiction horror writers, like American horror writers ever. We can agree on that. Um, but also kind of a cranky man, <laughs> you know, his, uh, his run-ins with uh, Rod Serling in terms of the Twilight Zone, um, the, like the, um, he only had one episode actually produced in the original series, and that was I, I Sing the Body Electric, and that kind of got mangled. And like Serling always was like, yeah, you know, it wasn't the best, and like he was always kind of more, more of the like wasn't trying to make like a stink in public. And Ray Bradbury was the guy. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna cut the son of a bitch with a beer bottle. Like, like in terms of like, I would describe them as frenemies and I'm sure that they like were okay as colleagues, but Ray Bradbury had like an ax to grind no matter what. So I'm sure that once this opportunity came around to do a show based upon his stories, the way he wanted, he exerted a lot of control for good and for bad. That that's my opinion based upon my sample size of this episode, but whatever, like he's, he's a prolific author, wrote a lot of short stories why not have the opportunity to actually have his own anthology series? Like good to go. Like I, I don't disagree with that. And maybe there's some, um, like maybe there's a lot of quality here that we've not seen, but based upon the short, the short, what we're about to talk about here, it makes me wonder how much he was aware of writing for television. That's all I'm going to say about like, until we get to it. Does that make sense? No, and that's completely fair. And, uh, you know, like, like you were saying, like he's a prolific author uh, I, I can't imagine somebody who doesn't know his material, especially for Fahrenheit 451, mm-hmm. um, something wicked this way comes. I, I adore like, that book. That's a good book. And then we talked about, was it the burning man in the yeah. 80 series of the twilight zone? Um, mm-hmm. it, it was adapted from his story. So somebody kind of took the script and changed it, but that was an interesting segment for sure. Absolutely. So like when we, when we talk about him, it's this the sum of this, uh, the series isn't kind of conducive to what our opinions are of this episode to come. So like, please take that with a grain of salt. (laughs) 
Because this is going to get a little hairy. Right yeah, now. I just, I mean, maybe there's like maybe there's some other stuff here, and maybe we're not giving it like the proper like you know if there's other if if people are familiar with the series at all, which I'm like I'm going to guess that they're not, and that that's perfectly okay. But and and maybe there's Goldenham Hills, and you know like maybe like I, I I should do better. So this I selected this episode. I pitched it to Terry last week because I knew the source material of the short story. I didn't read the short story, but we could talk about more about that later. It's one of these ones that have been referenced multiple times, and I'm like, it's Ray Bradbury. Like, like it, it's like one of those things. It's like you could do way worse. Like, like throwing a dart in terms of picking a topic. And I know that we've been trying to explore other anthology series, so I'm like, why not this one? So that's, I think, I, I think that's kind of the groundwork. That's where I kind of wanted to get into this. So um, let's get into um, like day and date here. So this is uh, Sound of Thunder episode. Sorry, season three, episode six. Uh, air date August 11th, 1989. Number one song, Bat Dance by Prince. So, like, you know, that amazing Bat Dance song. Batman, dude. Batman was awesome. So, if anybody had not seen Batman and, like, at that time and, like, the influence it had oh. on, on, like, everything around it, this is. Just watch this video. No, the, the, no watch that this video. video. But like the summer that year was like people were waiting in line for hours to watch Batman. It was crazy. Like it was a big, Dude, big, big I deal. Loved, yeah, I love this movie. I mean, Michael Keaton as Batman, uh, Jack Nicholson as the Joker. This is an incredible film. It's a lot of fun. Just yeah. watch and, and like Prince participating in on this uh, this song. Like you need to watch this video. It's so weird. <laughs> No, it, yeah, but it's like, and then it was, he also did a party man, which was the song that was playing when, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson's character was in like the Gotham art museum and there's just walking around. Yeah. He like, did a lot know. of this. Yeah, he, he did, did a lot of the he did a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. So, and the number one film was parenthood, which is kind of like Batman. I'm kidding. Not really. So, um, you know, it was one of those like dramedies I remember seeing in the theater. Uh, so in terms of day and date, I couldn't find anything for August 11th, August 20th. And I, I mentioned this because this was a big touchstone in like the late eighties. Um, and it was a big deal and it still is a big deal. Uh, uh, in Beverly Hills, Lyle and Eric Menendez shot their wealthy parents to death in the family's den. If people don't remember the Menendez trial, that was like one of the biggest, like at the time before the OJ Simpson thing, this was like the biggest thing that was like on the news all the time. I, I remember growing up, like you couldn't turn on the TV without seeing the Menendez trial. Yeah, I, I do remember a lot of this stuff that was going on. And it was, it's kind of been like referenced in films like uh, Cable Guy. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Where Ben Stiller uh, plays both the twins and he directed the movie. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of, it's, it's bullshit. But like, <laughs> like I, all of that stuff, like true crime stuff, I, I, I love that stuff. But the one thing that I found for August 11th, actually. Okay. Was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Five Dream Child premieres? Oh, okay. Like, okay, good. That that's a that's a better tie-in for the show than the Menendez trial. So I'll talk about yeah. All right. So that was uh, five. Was that uh, Rennie Harlan that directed that? Or I, I can't know. remember that anyway. one. But but that that guy that got into like the weird stuff. So we got like was it the Dream Warriors? The that was it the the Dream Master? Uh, Dream Master, yeah. And then a uh, dream child yeah, was because so that, that was, um, Oh my God. Like I, I didn't pick up the extra notes there, Paul, but yeah. So 
Well, we've been, talking, that was, we've been talking <laughs> for two hours. What? I'm kidding. No, anyway. All right. So that's our day and date. So let's get into the Ray Bradbury Theater, um, A Sound of Thunder. So who did what here? Okay. So our director is uh, Costa D- uh, Boas. Uh, he did three other episodes uh, of the Ray Bradbury uh, Theater. 44 episodes of The Tribe, which I'm not familiar with, but, you know, that's worthy of note. And then worked on Bad Taste. So there is a little connective tissue here. Um, I'm not sure if he worked in New Zealand, but, like, he worked on also, uh, like, some of the uh, Lord of the Rings stuff and Bad Taste. So, I, you know, maybe he knew... Uh, Oh my God! What's the Peter Jackson? I mean, he had, yeah, he had Peter Jackson. Know. Yeah. Well, I'm going to guess, and if I, I know this was a co-production between, well, like the earlier seasons was Canada and the U.S., but in terms of like this time frame too, like in terms of shooting in New Zealand, right? Like there was like I'm sure that there was a cost issue there too in terms of being cheaper, because if you remember too, like th- I mean, it's going to be a little bit later, but a lot of um, like Xena and Hercules was shot in New Zealand, like a lot of the syndicated stuff. So there was probably already infrastructure here. And with Bad Taste being uh, Jackson's first film um, and him being part of that. And it's like, he, he it sounds like he was a local. Not a bad thing because it feels like if you're living in New Zealand, it's like, hey, do you want to direct a movie? Yes. Do you, you know, like like to, to live in New Zealand and be part of Peter Jackson's co- like, you know, a collective. That'd be great. So that, thank you for checking. Like I didn't, I, I um, failed on that part of the notes that tracks. And I think that this, this was actually shot New Zealand as well. Yeah. Obviously not being the director because you know, he didn't direct bad taste, but like just being like, he was a part of like the moving uh, parts of bad taste. Um, well, bad taste so was there very, was a lot of guys. It was very much on. a low budget independent production to, for that film. If you look, I mean, it, it's fun, but it's definitely a very like cheap and low budget production. So that that, that fun tracks. to watch too. Like, it's, it's if fun. anybody it's gets a, a chance, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, next here, obviously, writer Ray Bradbury. Uh, we just talked about it a minute ago. Uh, I sing the body electric for uh, Twilight Zone. Uh, something with this way, wicked this way comes, and Fahrenheit four fifty four fifty one. So. I, I don't know how much we can say about him. No, it's Ray Bradbury. Otherwise. Like, I mean, the guy, like, you know, uh, like uh, he is a mountain among men in terms of his output, right? Like we can, we can agree on that. It's just, you know, like, um, and like I've read, I've read some of his other short stories, uh, like the toy and bee convector, which is one that was adopted, uh, adapted into this series. I'm like, we didn't get into that, but like, there's a lot of stuff that I, I dig a great deal. And then, um, I think we've talked previously, especially when we're talking about the burning man, that, um, there's a book club that, um, that, that um, you're a part of that, you know, that my wife's part of too. And that um, that book was picked last year for you guys to cover something wicked this way comes. I ended up reading mm-hmm. it as well. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful book. You know, you can see how he influenced so much. Like um, I don't think you would have Stephen King's it without something wicked this way comes. No, that's, that's a very, very uh, fair assessment. Um, and like uh, things that is kind of brief aside here. He is the narrator in a sense. He introduces <laughs> each story 
for this show too. Yeah. So well, we'll get there. And it's just like, I, I just, I have some questions about his narration where he just sounds like he sounds like he couldn't be bothered. And also like a bad dad taking toys from people. We'll get there in a second. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was he was trying to do like the, he was like doing like you know the Sterling thing. I just you know I I'm not trying to like you know Sterling was a human being too you know and uh, we just by the way we just passed uh, what was it um on was it the the eighth or ninth we just passed like the anniversary of the air date of the original uh, Twilight Zone. So by the way, I just put put that out there just a couple days ago. It was like you know that's that's worthy of pointing out. But I think Sterling and his hosting duties and his ability to introduce an episode, a little better. And I'd even say Hitchcock. You know, we talked about him recently. Probably a little better at being a host of a show. We'll get there in yeah. a second. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, so our, into our cast we go. Uh, Carol Martin leads us off. Eccles uh, is his character here. Uh, 144 episodes of Hill Street Blues. And then he was in some episodes of the uh, the Virginian. I, I don't know if you wanted to bring something else up. Yeah, he was in a film called Moonrunners, which was from the seventies. Which, um, if you look at Moonrunners, uh, it's about a bunch of uh, uh, moonshiners running around. It is. It is. Um, if you look at the description and you look at the cast, like the names of the cast, it is the proof of concept for the Dukes of Hazard. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, because well, there's an Uncle Jesse and everything else. It's it's basically after that movie came out, they're like, you know, we should do this as a TV show with a really racist car. You know, like whatever. <laughs> I don't know. The generally looked cool and, and until I grew up and realized what that meant. But uh, but yeah, the, the film the film was the precursor to the Dukes of Hazard. Okay, so <laughs> then moving on then is uh, John Batch. Uh, he plays Travis. It says uh, one other episode and then we'll it, probably never going to get to that honestly at this point um but uh the biggest note here is uh 784 episodes of close to home i'm not sure what that is it's probably you know. it's probably a new zealand or australian soap opera uh he is still working and he was in lord of the rings so that's another new zealand thing so yeah uh, uh two towers and return of the king he was in mm-hmm. so Boop, boop. I love that stuff. And then uh, next here we have uh, Michael McCloyd. Uh, he plays Agent. I love these. I love these little like notes here for the characters. Like sometimes they don't even say who the person is. It's like, hey, person or with a face. Um, so he plays Agent. Two other credit or the two credits in general. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the other one. That's fair. That's what I have too. Two credits. That's it. So next here we have uh, Michael uh, Bailey. I think I have have a Batley. I I know you want. I know you want. I know you want to say Brantley. I understand that, but I know you want to say uh, (laughs) uh, a a Cleveland baseball player a couple years ago. Batley. Batley. Oh yeah. yeah. So he plays Hunter. I don't know how that different from agent because if you watch this episode then you would understand why i'm confused yes uh six credits i'm not um i don't know the other credits no i just want to point out he was in a tv film called out of time which that feels appropriate to this episode so that's fair uh and then the last credit i have here is uh john but mcdavid mcdavid yeah the david yeah he plays hunter as well 
This. This is the so, only credit. I don't know which one is the eye patch guy, but one of them is an eye patch guy. I know that. Yeah, so. I, I was wondering who eye patch guy was, too. <laughs> and then, like, other guy who looks scared shitless. Like, I want to know who that guy was. Yeah, right. So I also, the last credit I want to point out here is the the, the T-Rex. Um, 59 credits. It was a lot of Westerns, surprisingly, from the T-Rex. Get the that hell out of here. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Robert McCord. Yeah, Robert McCord is T Rex. Um, was in was in um, twenty seven twenty seven episodes of Gunsmoke and Bonanza. Um, <laughs> Robert McCord plays uh, T Rex arm. Yeah, Robert McCord plays the time ball that's in this episode. No, I'm just yeah like, right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I just remember I wrote that note and I, I was looking at it today. I'm like, what did I mean by that? I'm like, oh yeah, I thought that was funny at the time. I just, I'm a hack and a fraud. So I like the idea that this West, that this, this T-Rex is like, eh, you know, it's a living and just shows up in Westerns. And he has like, I, I, a, he has like a regular cowboy hat on. <laughs> like I would love it. I would love it. If we saw him just like showing up and like gun smoke and Bonanza, it's like, oh, there's a new sheriff in town. Sheriff T-Rex, you know, <laughs> Hate to say it. Yeah. Hate to say it, guys. This is probably the one that we dial it in the most. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't reach my guns because of my really tiny arms. You know, whatever. Anyways. I'm trying to reach my beers because I have really tiny arms. That's what I'm at. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh dude. yeah, the T Rex is bad in this. Yeah, so, have fun yeah. with this, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, I do have the Bradbury intro. I just want to. I made it a point to 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 capture it because it's so weird. It kind of like. He couldn't be bothered. You know, so, Nonsensical? Yeah, okay. that too. Also, him being a bad dad. Everybody check this out. So let's get into <laughs> A Sound of Thunder. Let Mr. Uh, Bradbury take it away. Dinosaurs, large and small, fill my junkyard workroom. This one given to me by a friend 30 years ago. These given as toys to my daughters. And when they didn't play with them, I simply took them back. So with dinosaurs coming into my life, I often wondered... What would happen if I could go back into theirs? Dinosaurs, time machines. Put them together, and you have a tale one billion years old. Dinosaurs. 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 Also... I, you know, if my if my children didn't play with the toy for a second, I took it and put it in my junk room. Sounds like a Dinosaurs. dick. Anyway. <laughs> Something dickish this way comes. Anyway, so all right, so um, <laughs> I that and it feels like everything is super rushed in that intro too. Like, well, because it is. Because if you like, so okay. Um, uh, so I when I looked this up and, and I pitched it to Terry, um, I found this on Vimeo. Like, um, you know, because I don't think somebody has like a. Like they're going to be like, we're going to release the entire Ray Bradbury theater on Blu-ray. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. I have my feelings about uh, that. Probably not. Probably not. And I know sometimes we've been watching things that have been a little bit harder to find, but they're available online. So Google it. Um, and the Vimeo thing, it's like, it's like maybe 24 minutes. And that includes like a, like a 90 second intro sequence, you know? And like with him, it's very fast. And there's knowing that the runtime on this is like really short, all things considered, um, the right. story doesn't want to be that way, but the runtime on the episode, like it is, I feel like it's shorter than when we talked about monsters. It feels like it's just a smidge shorter than that too, uh, which isn't necessarily a detriment if you already know that you only have 23 minutes to tell your story. And I think with this one, it's like, oh, this is a much bigger concept than 23 minutes and you're not, you're not handling it well. 
But yeah, like I like Bradbury. He's like, I don't know, dinosaurs and shit, whatever. A billion years old, just pay me, you know, whatever. That's what it feels. I like. don't know if we, like, and that was kind of like the weird thing about it. It's like we don't need an introductory to this. Um, That's fair. You could have just did him like walking into his office. His like, he Ray Bradbury, uh, American Hoarder. You know, it'd been fine. You know, whatever. Um, like I almost feel like I feel like this intro is almost not similar to the Dark Room. You know, like you could have had, oh, oh, I, I, oh, what was the gentleman's name walk around and be like, oh, dinosaurs, weird sometimes, right? Like, he's like, just make a box, like yes. here it is. <laughs> like oh. we don't need that. Like, it, like I think that like, especially when we come to the advent of like a Tales from the Crypt, it's a little bit more streamlined. Uh, like that, that's my bread and butter when it comes to. Uh, you know, like anthology, but like monster is kind of streamlined it as well, because you don't have any intro intro to like what that story is. Yeah. And you I, just move into it. And by somebody, I mean, James, from the dark side too. Yeah, I mean, James Coburn, <laughs> that's what's talking about the dark room. Yeah. But yeah. With this, it's like, like, I, I guess evidently in the first couple seasons when they had a little bit more money, when it was uh, HBO and Canadian superstation or it was called, um, they actually had him on screen introducing the things much more like Serling and Alfred Hitchcock. And that's fine. Um, but if you're already kind of cutting costs and being like, we're, we're syndicating this and it's on USA network, you could just go right in. Like, I don't think that you're like, you mentioned tales from the dark side and monsters. Like, you know, you're already getting the setup from the intro sequence. We already know what we're getting right. into, you know, like, and I agree with that. It's like, it, it like it does. This isn't something, um, if you're not going to allow the time to actually articulate the story and present it well, just get to it. You know, I'm like, right. I'm, I'm, sorry, that's, that's sounding kind of backwards, but you know what I mean? Like, I agree with you. It's like, I don't need to have uh Bradbury ruminating on how dinosaurs are cool. And also his daughters didn't want to play with them. So F them, you know, <laughs> like it just feels weird to me, but yeah, how he's like, I don't know. This one thing happened, whatever. So anyway, uh, let's just get into like uh, his junk room. Like, yeah. like well, I need to tell you about my junk room right now. It's like, they don't have enough time for that. Like, like this is me not looking into his life and be like, oh, my second wife, when she left me, like, this is what, like, this is like the thing that happened, you know, whatever. There's it's a like- couch, you know, like, it's got me eating on, like, I don't know. Uh, jury's out. Like, jury, jury's out. <laughs> yeah. Who, who's wrong now? Thelma or whatever. I don't know her name would be anyway. So, um, so yeah, like, yeah, Sorry, like I, 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 I did, uh, find the short story. Mm-hmm. We didn't need the introductory here. Like just putting that out there. Like we can get right into the meat of the story. So correct me if I'm wrong. And I might be, um, the short story is called a distant sound of thunder, right? I think it was just called the sound of thunder. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'm maybe, okay. Great. I'm I'm getting that wrong. You, but. you well, like that's what I found it as on um, YouTube. Okay. Just just to listen to the short story, because I you know I listen to these things at work, because uh, you know I'm a busy man. So, so. it's true. You, you know, you work hard for your money. I get it. So, um, so yeah, we're getting into uh, sound of thunder. Let's just so. Um, we get into immediately this future thing, like this dystopian, like Blade Runner future kind of, but we found out that Douglas Keats won the election. Hooray. I voted for him. Uh, and it's all very exciting. And, um, and then while this is going on, we end up, uh, we meet Eccles. We don't know his name yet, but he's like business businessman, right? He wouldn't, 
him and Paul Reiser from Aliens wouldn't have been dissimilar the way they're dressed, right? I think they have that the wide shoulder like business power suit type of thing going on, uh, power business suit, yeah. And nefarious actions, yeah. Yeah, that's fair, right? So then uh, we meet Eccles. He's getting off an elevator, going into this big high rise. He ends up going to Time Safari Incorporated, which has like um, this sign. And like, I'm going to post the picture on our Facebook page. It is the shittiest sign you've ever seen advertising a business like this. It's like, oh, you spent all your money on time travel, not an advertiser. But it was like this whole thing of like, you know, um, uh, like, you know, what was it? Um, I'll look it up right now while we're talking. But yeah, it's like, it's like, I could tell the budget wasn't here, which I mean, fine, fair enough. Like, I'm not, yeah, uh, yeah. we're going to share, we're going to share this image because it's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Because I mean, like, like this is multi-million dollar company. Right. And like, you're trying to say that you're buying into a transaction and then you walk through the door it's this shitty image. When like you first it would only have been door. worse if everything was in Comic Sans. That's about like what I'm saying. So we have it says Time Safari Inc. Safaris, but sorry, <laughs> Safari apostrophe S, which I don't think is the plural of Safaris. I think that's like that's a possessive, so that's a problem. Uh, safaris to any year in the past. Rule one: you name the animal, 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 animal. Uh, animal, manimal, ma- you name the manimal. No, you name the animal. Number two, we take you there. Three, you shoot it. Um, I like the idea of naming the animal as opposed to like, like picking the species. You just name it. It's like, I'm going after Gary. Well, we got to find a Gary, you know, <laughs> like, we're like, Gary's an asshole. We're going to shoot Gary. Anyway, <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, whatever. it's like, it's like that, that son of a bitch knows what he did. Anyway, so, so we have, uh, we have Eccles like going in and he's, he's bought his time, right? The time safari. Right. And he goes up to the agent at the table and, um, is talking about things and the agent briefly mentions an album. Yeah. He, yeah. Let me just put this yes. out. A douche. Yeah. He just throws his check on. Oh, the Eccles. Counter, yeah. Too. But like the agent in the briefly passing is like, I'm so glad the other guy won because if the, if the person would other person would have won the election. It's like, Oh, he's a total dictator. I didn't catch that until the second time through. And I'm like, Oh, that's a weird thing to say. And like, also like, wow, that election was super divided. That has nothing to do with today. Uh, but yeah, so that Eccles is like, Oh, you know, I have, um, you know, I like here, take my, take my check. And it's like this blank piece of plastic. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's the future. By the way, did you like how all the glass tile is supposed to be the future in this office area? Cause glass tiles definitely show the future of the 21st century. The glass. Like block. I've seen total recall. Like <laughs> I, I <laughs> like I have glass block windows in my basement. It is not the future anyway. So, um, <laughs> It's it's yeah, the same thing, right? Like it's just like anyway. So so I Eccle, still, I, I'm sorry, the go prison ahead, is still there. Um. <laughs> People want to have a time safari in my base, but you're not going to find anything. But I'll charge you money for it. it's fine. Um, so, but yeah. So the whole thing is like Eccles is being like this, like very like you know, I'm I'm a super businessman or whatever. I'm going to pay for this. So then he gets pulled back into uh, like the like the prep room, and he meets Travis, who is like. Um, I forget the name of uh, Pete Postwaite's character in Jurassic Park, who is like the hunter dealing with like, um, he's the Very one that, similar character. He gets, yeah. He's the one that gets cornered by the Raptors, right? It's this clever girl. 
Like that's mm-hmm. you get the same vibe from the both of them, right? Like so. Actually, like yeah, that's kind of yeah. like the archetype of that, the like that storyline. Like, yeah, I, I I can see that completely. Yeah, and like, and I think, in uh, credit to the guy that plays Travis, like uh, John Bach, like as much as this this episode's like not great, he's really good at it. Like I, he's committed. I think he's like, I got a paycheck, and I'm on. I'm going to treat this deadly serious because his character. That's his job is to be deadly serious. I, I dug that. Right. And also like the way he, pr- like he has an air about him. Like I kind of wanted to see this guy in more stuff. Like he was kind of cool. Like I, you know, like he, he belonged in other things other than this. I'll say that. Yeah, well, uh, that's fair. But like at the same point, I'm like this dude was like overselling it in my, like in my opinion, like yeah. I was like, dude, like you haven't, this is your profession. Yeah, that's like, fair. So, especially when you watch us a little bit more, it's like, chill the fuck. Oh, sorry. <laughs> chill the f- <laughs> oh, oh, look at Terry. I have to go back in time and fix oh, that. I'll have to go I, on a time I, safari. I, I had my sign up too. Chill the funk out. <laughs> chill the funk out. I had my sign up. Oh, no. I um, to, uh, you're going to make me go in the time ball and fix it. All right. That's fine. All right. Anyway, All right. so it's a time it's ball. It is. Yeah. Um, no, but, but it's like, fair. Cause it makes you think like, are you this guy that talks to every client the same way? Like that has yeah, to that, like, that, yeah, that, no, go ahead, please. No, like I, I completely agree with you. Cause I, like, that was like the point that I was going to try to make. It's like, if this dude is, this is his profession. Why are we even having this conversation? And like, especially at the extreme that he's like checking guns and like, like, throwing over the gun to his shoulder, looking at his potential customer. It's like, that's really rude too. Yeah. I mean, I get that these people like, so the whole thing is it's a luxury, right? That we're so far in the future that you, you pay for the opportunity to go back in time and hunt bigger game than possible. Right. We find out like Eccles has like his, it's some kind of weird projector pass that shows the things he's hunted. And, and, um, and Travis is like, Oh, you shot all these things. He's like, yeah, whatever. It's like, and we get the idea that like, um, you know, it's like, you know, Eccles is kind of like, Oh, I don't know if I remember a couple of years ago that like that dentist that would go like to like Africa and like shoot big game, like that everybody was mm-hmm. pissed off about because like he didn't actually hunt. It was like the locals would track this thing down and like drag it to the ground. And he would shoot it. He's like, I'm a dentist. I have dentist money. It's like, you're not a big game hunter. Calm down. You know? Um, or, or, um, some sons of a former president that would do shit like this anyway. Um, well, yeah, all I, all I can think about, and this is like a relevant subject too. It's uh, the guy who owns Jimmy John's <laughs> F you F you. This was a revelation F to you. me today. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't know. Um, F you dude. Yeah. I didn't know right. he was a big game hunter. Um, yeah. It makes me also wonder about where they get the meats for their sandwiches. That's what I gotta say. Um, no, uh, I'm kidding. you shouldn't. Anyway. No, you're not supposed to be hunting game, big game and all that. Like, yeah, so, endangered species, like regardless of how much you have money, you should still have the stewardship of the earth. You know, anyway. So, yeah. So Eccles, um, the future owner of Jimmy John's. I'm kidding. Uh, so uh, but like but like um, Travis is like super deadly serious. And he was like, um like talking to him, he's like, oh, like, don't like, you know, take this super seriously. He's like, we don't have, to, we don't have, we don't time travel to get ourselves killed. And like Eccles is kind of being a dick. He's like, I've, I've shot everything. And it's like, have you shot everything? Really? 
every single animal on the earth? Like, did you go chasing like a, like, um, like, I don't know, like a groundhog and just annihilate it? Like, I don't understand it. Like, did you go after every single animal? Like, well, you know, I think I, I really think that is like a precursor to what is actually going to happen here too. Yeah. Like that, like we understand, like he's big balls. He's showing up. He wants to like show everybody else that I can, I can hunt the biggest game of all. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go into the past and do the same. Yeah. So I just like the idea is like, yeah, it's like, did you kill a capybara? I was like, yeah, three of them. I'm like, why would you do that anyway? So no, they're big, <laughs> they're big rodents. I know. I know. They're just, they're cute and they have big snoots. Right. And it's like, yeah, I've oh, shot everything. Love, oh, you oh, shot I a tree them. sloth. Where are they going to go? Like, why would no. you do that? Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I love them too. Right. I'm just, I'm naming all the cute animals, but there's some ugly animals out there that he shot too, that no one cares about. But anyway, so yeah. Um, so the, <laughs> oh, I've killed, I've killed a lantern fish. I'm like, okay, great. No one cares about it. All right. So, um, we, but I like that. Like, like Travis is super serious about this. And then, um, Eccles is like, Oh, I can, I can do all this. But so my question to you is once we know the rules of time travel, and going back in time, it seems to me that um, the ordinance that they're packing is directly opposed to their mission statement about time travel. You know what I mean? Like, we can't go back in time and mess with it too much, but I'm going to give you a gun that could shoot God. You know, that seems a little weird to me. Well, I, so there's two different things going on here. So they have to prepare for what the game is for Eckler's. Or Eccles. Eccles. I, I, I forgot to even mention that the agent gave him snapshots of dinosaurs, which was the funniest thing I think I've seen ever on an episode. Yeah. He's like, these are just taken yesterday or like 65 million years ago. And I'm like, this per- he's like flipping through these photos, like like these like these snapshots, like it's Tinder, like dinosaur Tinder. And I'm like, what's going on here? This is weird. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, swipe right. Um, <laughs> so we have the game. And we have Eccles that knows that he's supposed to hunt this game. And we have the line that he has to stay on the entire time. This, this, um, this weird pathway. Well, of, yeah. Of we, time. We, that, we'll talk about that in a second. Like he goes in the time ball, right? Like the big time ball, it, it spins and they go back in time with, with Eccles. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, Travis. And then I patch guy and not eye patch guy. Right. So, not that, yeah, not, guy, yeah. but I love he that. Yeah, I love that. Like, uh, um, that Travis is like, you know, if you just go back and do all this, like before we get to the walkway, which makes no sense to me of like spatial distance. I, uh, I, I hate yeah. to say it, but I hate Travis. I hate him. <laughs> I hate him. He's terrible. No, they're all terrible in this. He, like, like he has like, ev- like everything is chosen through this path. As far as uh, like, like, we decided as directors and casting, this was the dude. He has a good face, but everything else is terrible. Like it just, it just watch. So no, so are are you saying about like the pros? Because, um, I think Ray Bradbury was stroking himself a little bit when he's like, I get to fit in some of my purple pros, which you and I both like Bradbury. He gets flowery in his, his words, which like, that's why we like him. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, like when I mentioned, I like I really like something wicked this way comes. There is a there is a a um, rhythm and lyrical bent to that story that I like a great deal. 
I'm not saying that translates well to the screen. It's almost yeah. like it almost feels like Shakespeare where people have to do their soliloquies, like these brief asides. I'm like, cool. But you're also in a time ball about the hunt dinosaurs. Can you can you like tamp it down just a smidge? That's what it felt like. Nailed it. You you nailed it completely, dude. Like I just feel like when we do like kind of a like a Shakespearean type of like narrative here, Travis sucks. Like we just we need to change his character in such a, a way that it's like it's kind of I don't know, like what you were talking about Jurassic Park, I think that was the perfect um, amalgamation of that type of character. I can't remember that character yeah. either. But I just well, like with him, like, yeah, the him like, like laying out everything. What you're talking about, even before that, when Eccles was like walking along the walkway, which we like the weird walkway that was like mm-hmm. it was almost like six uh, inches above everything well, else. Which, and fine, the that, that, of grass. that's that's a cool little sci-fi thing of like we're not going to actually interrupt anything in the past because we don't know the ramifications, <laughs> right? I get that. But it almost felt like like um, if you're that idiot kid that you take a tape measure, like how far can I make this? You know, like this whole thing of like, whoop, like that's how far it rolls out. You're like, oh, is this a time ball they're getting into or a tape measure, a time tape measure? But anyway, um, like when Eccles is walking through originally, he goes purple prose. I'm like, you don't seem like the guy that's educated at all. You just seem like a guy with money that was, wants to shoot animals. So calm down. And then Travis, there's even a bit where he's like talking and he's like, oh, I do go on a little bit. It's like, like, I feel like this is where Bradbury's like, I need people to understand what I'm saying. It's like, calm down, buddy. Like as much as, um, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm railroading the conversation here. I'm not, I'm falling off the path. Forgive me. Um, like as much as the Rod Sterling in the Twilight Zone gets a little bit, little bit like out in the weeds and sometimes up his own butt with his own dialogue and his own descriptions. And I love Serling. It still feels like, like if that's a two out of 10, um, Bradbury is like an eight or nine out of 10 in terms of up their own butt and the pros like the, that they give characters to like, I don't know. Like, does that, that's my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that. No, I, I mean, I, I think that's kind of represented really quick within these characters. Yeah. Like, I don't like Travis seems like a complete ass. And especially if this is a business, you like, you need to be a little bit more respectful of the buyer. So, well then, but also like you've worked retail, like how many times have you said the same thing over and over again to a customer where you're, you're still saying what you need to say, but your heart's not in it. You know what I mean? Like you're an actor. You really are an actor. Yeah. So like I, like I, I've worked at the amusement park and like I'm, I was never in charge of the rides. Like, thank Christ. Cause who knows who would have fell off of things. But, um, there's times where it's like, I've the got, weakest. yeah, the, <laughs> you know, they would have been like, all right, good luck. All right. You're gone. All right. Anyway, um, uh, I'm just saying, but you still get into your spiels, right? It's because it becomes right. muscle memory. How much more fun would it have been where him, like with Travis, like checking out and be like, Oh, there you go. Here's your, here's your, um, here's your vest. Here's your dino spray. And here's your gun or whatever. Like, like how much more fun would it have been if the whole goal was like, it's like you go to like, like Chuck E. Cheese and it's like, Oh, it's your birthday. You're the special boy where they make this guy feel like he's the special dino hunter where it's like, you got to have the dino hat and you got to have your dino vest. And here's your bright orange flag to make sure you're okay. Like, I think that have been way more interesting to me. I know that I'm looking at this like years later, but to be like, you want to be the special boy, 
we're like, by the way, you're not the special boy because we've dealt with special boys for the last like five times today. I think that would have been way funnier where you're checked out. And this is like the one time that the special boy completely messes up, you know, like I think that had been way funnier to me and more interesting. I, I, I really do think that would have been more interesting uh, narrative here. But we have something completely different. We're going to talk about that <laughs> and, in a second. And way dumber. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> but Travis is very serious about, like, we're going back in the past, before the time of Christ, before the pyramids, like, and, like, you want, you want to shoot your dinosaur, we're going to do it. But just be aware that you cannot, you cannot screw with anything because we don't know the ramifications, which that's a cool idea. Right? It's smart, like, right? It's 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 a smart idea, and, and like the idea of like the hovering walkway, like as dumb as it is visually, that's a cool idea, right? Keep yeah. elevated from the fauna and anything else going on, and then we find out that um, Travis came back earlier to find an animal that was already going to die because a tree fell on it. So meaning that this animal its life ends here and that it doesn't affect any future reproduction and anything going forward. That's a cool idea too. You know, like I'm not dismissing some of the sci-fi in this cause there's some cool ideas in here. And it's represented in a short story as well. Mm-hmm. So like, that's one thing that I have to bring to this conversation. I did uh, listen to the short story and I, I really think there's a lot here that maybe a lot more people would be more interested in to this as opposed to uh, this physical uh, representation of the physical, a visual uh, representation. I think the show does a disservice to the story. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you listen to it, Paul or read it, but my God, like there are certain things and I'm like, I don't, I don't actually think that we should have had a show or an episode of this. I don't know if we needed this at all. It's kind of a bummer because like, it's not, it's, it, it, it's a disservice. Well, I'm just saying the idea of like, um, like what we're going to get to is like the butterfly effect, literally spoiler, um, of Mm -hmm. like, you know, your past actions affect everything going forward. Um, I think that's perfectly acceptable and you can, you can do that within a tight 25 minutes. I think you could do that. Absolutely. I think, um, um, I'm trying to think like the twilight zone, like uh, encountered some of this a little bit, you know, like, um, where things like have changed and maybe those around weren't aware of it. Like you, but the audiences, you could do this, but we spent so much time on like the, the future and the hunt, which isn't even a hunt that when we get to the end here, but anyway, so we get like the whole thing here is that, um, Travis sought out a T-Rex. <laughs> I'll use that term loosely. <laughs> yeah. Big head uh, monster. Oh gosh, arms. gosh, it was terrible. Um, and then he was like, Oh, I shot it with a paintball earlier. So you can, you can sh- find the one. He was like, we're only going to kill the one that doesn't have ramifications. But then also why, why does he, and Eccles and eye patch guy and non eye patch guy have more firepower to kill this one T Rex than everybody had in Predator to kill the Predator. Whenever we find out that like any shot fired in the past, you have to go at like you know there's ramifications for shooting things like 
Like, wouldn't this have been a more a little, little bit more interesting where it's like, yeah, you think you're a badass hunter? I'll take you back there. Good luck. We're using bows and arrows and spears. Like, wouldn't that have been way cooler to be like, sure, this is your big game. We will help you with this. We're going to use uh, biodegradable weapons that will disappear over the course of time. You think you're a badass? We'll do it. But, you know, like... How, how much more interesting would that have been to be like, you know, you want the biggest game? You got to you got to fight them on their level. I know this well, that is, makes. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. That would make more sense because, you know, Eckler um, or Ecklers or whatever. Uh, Eccles, I think. Yeah. Eccles. He has to dig out his bullets, too. It's like. Yeah. This, so, is, this is even at, like you're talking like so he freaks out seeing this dinosaur, which, by the way. Um, I'm going to mention this to you, Terry, this, this T-Rex, I, I know it's a low budget show. Um, I've seen scarier inflatable T-Rex costumes over the last couple of years, like from the Halloween <laughs> stores, um, that feel more T-Rex appropriate than this thing. I just, it was like, it, it, like, if you don't got it, you don't got it. You know what I, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you could have picked a different animal. Like you could have picked a different diet, like a little smaller dinosaur. It's fine. But like, we've seen this thing show up and it was like, I'm like, Oh, this is the mighty T-Rex. And they're like, it's so big. I'm like, it's not that big. Like, you know, Charles Barkley can dunk on this thing, you know, like, um, <laughs> the, the arms, the arms are what killed it. Yeah. Right? But I'm just like, go back and look at the Charles Barkley versus Godzilla commercial. This thing is smaller than that. You know, like it's what I'm talking about. I'm just like, Oh no. But then, but then the whole thing where um, Eccles is like, oh, we shouldn't have come back here. It's like, you've paid a gazillion dollars. Take your shot. But then he falls off the path and is terrified. I don't, I don't understand yeah. why he wusses out, too. Like, I really don't the, understand. The character that. changes so fast, it's stupid. I don't like so it. So stupid. Like, I would have rather him being overconfident and causing problems and him getting lost off the path, taking his shots and falling off. That would have been more interesting because it's like he's over, like, like, aggressive and it still would have been the same thing. You know what I mean? I mean, like we at least could shoot this a little differently mm-hmm. and in him, like not recognizing like him being out of his element element. Yeah. Like, like dude, sure. You, you are the, uh, extreme hunter here. And then you see something that is so extreme. Like, the one of the lines he says, like it could reach up and grab the moon. <laughs> yeah, we didn't see that. We did not see that at all. If the moon was six inches away from the tiny hand that was there, yeah. Um, if if its arm was any bigger, it would be um, was a Belial on basket case. Um, Dude, that's right. How, yeah. <laughs> Look it up, people. I'm not wrong. Um, so um, I also like what it would have been. What if, what if he would have went like all Jesse Ventura with his gun and just firing it like a predator and knocking exactly. and knocking Travis or one of the guys off the path and them causing things like wouldn't that have been like I think that would have been more interesting because it would have shown him in his rich excess not caring. You know what I mean? Like, but him becoming a super coward, which fine. We understand that. Like you get the feeling that every time he's hunted down any game, it's always been like, um, um, I, I, a brief side. Have you watched house of the dragon at all or no? I have not yet. Okay. There's a bit where there's a big hunt where the, like the King is supposed to be leading the hunt, uh, King Viserys. And you find out that like, you know what? He's not the guy leading the hunt. I'll just put it that way. You know, like 
but like, but he's the guy that's in charge. So of course you're going to bring the game to him. You know, that's not really a spoiler. It was like the third episode or something. So forgive me, but it's the same thing here where it's like, you're paying your money. You have, you have the privilege, right? You're going to assume certain things because you're an asshole because you paid for it. Right? Like, um, I think you could have handled this better, but whatever. Bradbury had his, uh, his purple pros he needed to get into cause you know, whatever. But anyway, um, they kill the, the T-Rex, the, the, um, you know, the, the, the lesser T-Rex. I'm sure it's the T-Rex that got bullied by all the other T-Rexes that like, what's wrong with like, like we have tiny arms. Why are your arms so tiny? They're vestigial. Like what's going on here? You can't even do anything anyway. So and this gigantic head. Like, <laughs> gigantic. Like, Just, like, yeah, disproportionate head size. Right. It's like, you know, yeah. Anyway. So, uh, after they killed the T-Rex and, and like, and the, but also we have Eccles like opening fire and shooting all the bullets all over the place. Um, uh, Travis is like, go dig your bullets out. And he's like, but why? He's like, just go do it. And he go, and he's, and which he's is not a part of the short story either. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't mind that where it's like, dig your bullets out. And then, and then, uh, Eccles, Eccles is like, but what about all other bullets? And then Travis is like, oh, I got the super magnet. I didn't tell you about until right now. I'm like, cool. You have a super magnet. This could like, you know, this is juggalo proof. You can just like suck all the bullets up. It's fine. Anyway. But I, I, just, I think it's really interesting to bring that to the forefront here. It's like just shit that they made up. Like, I don't know. Like it's science Ray fiction, Bradbury. But, yeah. But it's like, if you already have a fail safe of like pulling all the bullets into the magnet, it's like, it's like, it almost feel like, Oh, you did your best. We're still going to find you because you're an idiot. Cause I had to bust out this magnet and it costs money. You know what I mean? Like you could have, it could have been like that uh, rich person tax because you couldn't control yourself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And that's fair, but like, I don't know. Like it's that, stupid. that was the thing that bothered me the most yeah. about this. Well, episode. Because, because with him opening up, it's like him shooting everything in the round. Like when I talked about Jesse Ventura and predator with him using the minigun where it was like, yeah. Oh, sorry. Was him? Was it him or, um, it was him. Um, yeah, it was like, it's like, yeah, good luck getting all those bullets back. It was about the same level of destruction, right? So anyway, um, I would I would have loved, because by the way, every single science device in this episode had a noise. Did you notice that? It was like, and then whatever, especially whatever, Travis is like, you dig your bullets out, you drop the knife on the walkway here. It's like, no, like the knife doesn't have to make a science noise. It's fine. <laughs> You know what I'm talking so, about no. though? It's like it hit it's like, is this the bifrost? I don't need I don't need noises on this bridge. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I have to revert back to like the interaction between <laughs> Travis and uh Eckler's. It's like he was an asshole. Yeah. He he straight up was an asshole the first time he met him. He's like, he pointed a gun at him. It's like, well, you're a paying customer. Here's a gun pointing at your face. Like, that's bullshit. Yeah. I don't know. No, I agree with that. But I love that how, like, I understand that, like, we're in 2022 and, like, we, we're in the age of smartphones and things. And if something makes a noise, I'd prefer it not to. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, what I mean? But it's like, but every button makes a noise. Like, doop a doop a doop. Like, I'm just like, okay, great. And science is science. loud. Science is very loud. You know, <laughs> like... <laughs> Anyway, so so then, you know, um, after Eccles digs out his one bullet and then they pull all the bullets to the magnet, they go back to the future in the science ball, um, time ball, 
right? And then when they go back to like the prep room, which like whoever the actors are different. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the actor that walks in gives one of the worst line readings I've ever heard. Where it's like, herber, herber, like whatever he says, like, but he's very fascisty, right? He's like, it's like, oh, look at you being a tall, a tall Hitler, you know, whatever. Anyway, no. so then, so then they go back to the main lobby and everything's written kind of like, like in German-esque, like it's, you can still read it, but it's like, kind of like just skewed slightly. I didn't, I didn't take a screenshot of that, but it was like so dumb. And then. Uh, like, uh, was it Travis goes up to the agent that we saw earlier and he's like, who won the election? He was like, what election are you talking about? You know, so-and-so like the, is a ruler, right? So-and-so won a first, uh, the 15th Reich or whatever. Yeah, whatever it was. It's like, dear Lord, right? So then uh, we didn't realize that we stumbled because because they were back in the past. Everything has an action. Uh, Eccles clearly did something walking off the path that caused Hitler's to happen, right? So then... Uh, when Eccles is like, what did I do? I don't know what's going on. Travis shoves him like on the lobby couch and then checks his boots and he finds a butterfly that he stepped on. And then Travis drops the butterfly and looks at Eccles. And like, by the way, um, lobby security as, as much as it's a Hitler, like Nazi fascist thing, nobody reacts when he pulls a large handgun out. Right. And he looks mm-hmm. at he looks at uh, Eccles. He's just like, I'm gonna pull this gun out. And I'm like, you're done, right? That's it. You're done. And that's the end of the episode because we find out that you, Eccles. You, you saw the armbands. Like, I guess yeah. it's okay. Everybody's Hitler's. It's all Hitler's all the way down, right? So, um, you know, so yeah. The end of the episode is that Eccles done screwed up because he stepped on a butterfly, and then Travis is like, you know what, like. There were, it never occurred to him to be like, we got to run back to the time ball and go back 15 minutes before this happens and stop you. Ever. Because earlier in the episode, he's like, I came back here before and I shot a paintball on this T-Rex that was going to die because a tree fell. Like, yeah. you would think there would be that, you think there would be that, like, um, that built-in thing of like, oh shit, we need to go back and stop this from happening. And if this guy screwed up, we're going to kill him back there and we're going to like keep his money. You know, like, I feel like there's a certain amount of like logic built in of like, you couldn't handle yourself. You're done. You're T-Rex food, you know, type of thing. Anyway. Yeah. yeah sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. There's like no uh, fail safe. It's like built into the, all this. Yeah. Like there's no predator. Like, like, boop, 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 boop. I have a little arm band, <laughs> you know? Right. I'm like to the time ball, you know, like to go back, whatever. Anyway, it's just, so yeah. Anyway, Eccles, uh, stepped on a butterfly and made the world full of Hitlers. That's what happens. So, um, so yeah. So my apologies to you, Terry, I'm sorry. I thought this was going to be, cause you listened to the story, which is a lot more subtle, right. And it's outcome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But like all I figured out from it is that don't step up on a butterfly because we don't <laughs> any more Hitlers. Uh, a word to the wise um, mission statement of our podcast. Don't step on any butterflies. Well, okay. So that's fair. But, but if I remember right from what I know of the story is that there was the initial going back in time, there was the sign of the the name of the company. Right. And then when Mm -hmm. they came back, those involved didn't notice that the name, like the, the words on the sign slightly changed to show that they were changing history. They weren't aware of it though. Is that, am I right about that? They didn't. No. Oh, is so, it like that, like that was like that. There is like subtleties, and like the story is slightly different. 
compared to what we see in a visual, okay. but like it, it's not that much different. Okay. I just remember there was a movie about like what 15, 15 years ago that was like a, like a larger version of this. I think it was called. A so the Thunder. the movie yeah. came out in two thousand five. Yes, I, I looked that up too. Yes, so. and, but there was people like they were when time was changing. They would literally time jump course. over it. Would <laughs> they would jump over the time changes like the rifts? I'm like, you can't jump over time. You know. Yeah. Anyway, so I heard that movie's terrible, but. Like the idea that this is kind of the encapsulation of like the butterfly effect, like literally in this case, is cool. I think right. it's a fun idea. Um, you but know, it's a good movie in itself too. Butterfly yeah, right. Effect. But I like the idea too that um, time travel is actually made, but it's only available to the rich. And it's big game hunting as opposed to like being a positive force. That's a, that's a that's a realistic idea. Let's be honest, right? The moment there's going to be any like altering technology, the rich are going to pay for it and they're going to just like, they're going to use it for their own ends. Like I get that too. And even earlier on, the agent was talking before everything happened where someone was like, if so-and-so wins the election, can I go back in time? He's like, Nope, it's not for escapes. You know, like that was kind of the joke made earlier. Uh, but with this, it's like, you know, the idea that a butterfly was stepped on that would result in a world of Hitler's, you know, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. I didn't even like, wow, that was something, you know, but whatever. Like, we get it. Like, we like unintended consequences, right? That's the whole, the whole purpose of this. We get it. So, um, so I'm going to put it to you. Like, um, I don't think you're the biggest Simpsons guy, if I recall correctly. I used to watch it when okay. I was a kid. Do you remember the, like the Treehouse of Horror from like the first couple? Like, um. There was, it depends on which uh, segment. Well, that well, there you go. So, Treehouse of Horror Five, which uh, came out in uh, 1994, which I think is um, <laughs> this. It's a uh, five years after this. It's called A Time of Punishment. It's when Homer breaks a toaster uh, and he tries to fix it, and he ends up going back in time. And then we keep seeing him go back to the dinosaur time and keep screwing things up. Eventually. I did not see that one. Oh but my now gosh! It's my it's homework so, for oh, it's my yeah. homework for tonight. Yes, please check it out because it's like it's so much funny because like like him fixing this time toaster and him going back in time and then at one point uh, there's a bit where he's like, I remember when my father told me what my wedding day. He's like, if you ever go back in time, don't touch anything or whatever it is. Like so, please please go watch that segment. It's so much fun because it's like when I was watching this, that made me think of uh, time and punishment. It's 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 also the same episode. It's the fifth edition of the Treehouse of Horror. It has the Shinning, Time and Punishment, and Nightmare Cafeteria. All three are great segments. So you need to check them out. So please, like, please watch them. I want to hear your thoughts on them. Um, but yeah, it's like, like, you know, there's always going to be the idea of time travel and unintended consequences. You know, like, I mean, you know, we've, we've encountered that a couple times, even in the new iteration of the Twilight Zone. I think this does. I think it sets up like the, the knowledge of like you, you're back here. You don't belong here and everything you do can affect things. I think it does a good job of that, but it doesn't do much else. And that was very frustrating for me. No, I, I, I wasn't really happy about the visuals compared to this story. Like yeah. the story's, perfectly fine i i just don't think that they did a good job with this as a a visual well maybe also, this is something they could have saved for the future and like 
yeah. never really adapted this in the time that they had or, it. Or Bradbury could have realized like his budget and made it, maybe made it a little bit more smaller in scope. And it looked it, like, like shit. Like it, I hate to well, say it. That I agree way, with that completely. But you could have, you still could have set up the same concept of like I, I'm paying for the privilege to go back in time and do a thing, and we don't know the consequences of my actions, and maybe like made it not so like big in terms of what was coming up, coming up, and and like just assume the viewer is smart enough to see the difference. I think that would have played better. Yeah. You know so. Um, so yeah, anyway, we, we, we've talked way too much about this. So I apologize. I apologize to you for bringing this up as a thing to watch, but we were trying to always find different anthology stuff. I thought that I, I know the original story. I've not listened to it. Like you have, I'm not engaged with it. I need to, but I was like, it's Bradbury, right? Like it could be interesting. Well, whatever your mileage may vary. If you guys want to see like, uh, a T-Rex that looks like a wiener with arms go, there you go. That's it. It looks like, it looks like a, a cooked sausage with uh, like a large sausage with tiny arms. Gristled um, meat with uh <laughs> teeth. Like, oh, there, oh. It, there are some interesting visuals here. I don't know. If, like, I don't want to say that the series is conducive to our, like our opinions about this episode, mm-hmm. but dude, if, if the budget is this, this sucks. This yeah, really sucks. I mean, if, if the budget is this, then write smarter scripts that you don't have to be so uh, practical effects heavy. You know, yeah. that's all. Like, like we we've seen we've seen other things. Like, just you know, I'm sure the budget, like relatively speaking, for uh, Lamb of the Slaughter uh, for the average cock, you know, like presents, which I know it's a different thing, um, but it was a way compelling story on one set, you know, right. like you, like the budgets in your writing, you know? So anyway, so that's how I feel about that. So any other notes about, uh, uh, a sound of thunder before we get to the twist? No, I don't have anything else, dude. Right, here we go. All right. Twist rating is going to be one through five. One being, we see it from a mile away and five be mind blowing. I have two twists here. One is, I already knew I'm going to give it a one for knowing that history was changing because I knew the basics of the story. Um, I'm going to give it a four because of Hitler's. I didn't see the Hitler's thing coming. That was so stupid. It was uh, because I just didn't see it coming. <laughs> I'll say that. Well, I was surprised by it as well. Um, I'll give it a five as well. I think that I think that that is kind of the mission statement, but at the same point, like is surprising. But uh, brief aside, all of this is, it's very like, like all, everything is surprising in general. Like it, it's, it, it is a time storyline, like where the, you're like, we go into the past. How could we expect it? Mm-hmm. So. I, I think that's fair. I mean, I just, I, I, like I said, I gave, I gave the history being changed a one because I knew that. So I can't unthink that, but the Hitlers, you know, all the Hitlers that we saw, all like, the Hitlers, I, all the Hitlers. Uh, I, I think I saw Dennis Hopper there for a second. I'm kidding. Uh, so all, all of the Hitlers, like, I also like the idea that it doesn't take much other than stepping on a butterfly. Then the entire earth falls into fascism. <laughs> like that's like, Oh shit. That's not that far off. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, um, anyway, so, so Yeah. That's going to do it for our discussion about A Sound of Thunder, the Ray Bradbury Theater. 
Uh, you guys can find us on Facebook, uh, on Strange Highways. There, I'm posting always images. We I have some fun stuff from Asylum. Um, I'm going to have some fun images from this. Uh, yeah, it's, it's always a good time. Like just to check out the, the, the photos. I always say something silly. Like I just, I appreciate the engagement. Um, you guys can email us directly at strangehighways at gmail.com. Uh, sorry, strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. I don't know where strangehighways at gmail.com will go. Write them too. Maybe they'll write you back. I don't know. But uh, at gmail.com, um, at, at gmail.com, strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com dot com. I'm saying that over and over again. Uh, wherever you find your podcast rate reviews would be greatly appreciated. And Terry, where can people find us otherwise? We are on Instagram, folks. Uh, please check us out on there. Uh, give us a follow. Um, share everything that we are doing yeah. because I mean, it's all love, man. Like Because everything we're discussing, uh, we want somebody to be a part of that discussion. So follow us on there. So. Yeah. Yeah, the more the merrier. Like the the bigger the conversation, the bigger, um, the more people involved, the better it is, right? It's always fun, right? And especially these detours, um, we'll we'll get into the Twilight Zone second half of season one starting in November. Um, like we'll get there, we'll get back to it. We promise. There's like we had a long road for the first half, and we're like a couple weeks out. We'll get back to it too. So if you guys are it's here, spooky season, spooky so. season, right? Like we're like we're holding off to November to get to the Christmas episode. Close enough, right? So. Sure. Uh, I know Terry will not be like Christmas doesn't happen until December 24th, but <laughs> so, all right. So um, now that we're past the Ray Bradbury theater, let's talk about what we're doing next. And now Mr. Serling. So at the recommendation of, uh, of uh, the El Goro, um, who does the uh, like amazing uh, uh, talk without rhythm podcast who um, if he, if people should like, like, if you've not heard of it, we've talked about it previously. Terry was on there recently talking about uh, Friday 13th Part Ooh. 1 and 2, uh, and they did a great job there. Um, go check him out. He does amazing things over there. He's in the middle of his 31 Days of Halloween, in which he watches a new horror movie to him um, for like each day for 31 days, and um, he talks about it, and it's, it's so much fun, and he also does his regular episodes, and it's like, how does one mortal do all of this? I, I can't do it. You know, like, he's inhuman. He's inhuman. He's inhuman. Yeah, yes. Yes. Um, the guy, it, the dude knows uh, everything. He is, he is a wealth of knowledge about everything film. So please check out his yes. podcast. Strange high or strange highways <laughs> fully <laughs> no, endorses. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the pivot. Does. Thank you. The pivot. Yeah. Talk without rhythm. Yeah. Like strange highways endorses talk without rhythm. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, check him out. Yes. He, yes. He's a man of so many um, uh, facets. God. And I, I just got to tell you guys, um, there's one of the episodes that he's done recently that his, like he will do an episode of his 31 days and pick a different song to round it out. One of those songs is a cover of something that ties to strange highways. I'm not going to tell you which one, but Ooh. you'll know it when you hear it. And I saw that I'm like, <laughs> and I called him out on it. He's like, yeah, I figured you'd appreciate that. So if you know, you know, if you've listened to this show for years, uh, there's a certain guitar riff that plays that might be tied into one of those episodes. Go check that out. But the reason we're bringing it up, one, aside from his uh, podcast being amazing, he has been a champion of uh, Kolchak, the Night Stalker, the the Darren McGavin series that was in the 70s, I believe, or the 60s. And, sorry, the 70s. Uh, next episode we're doing is the first TV movie that introduces Kolchak called the night strangler from 1973. Um, can't wait to get to it. 
Uh, it's easily found on YouTube. Um, go check it out. Cannot wait to get to it. It's more 70s stuff. And um, I'll, like some people have considered this a precursor of the X-Files. I have never seen any Kolchak. I'm excited to get to it. It's going to be a great conversation. Yeah. So that's going to do it for us this week. Everybody have a good week. Have a safe week. Uh, in the meantime, don't go back in time and step on butterflies because that will cause Hitler's. And don't endorse Jimmy John Leotard. I, I didn't realize it would be so big. Well, maybe it takes longer according to how big it is. Well, this is a big one, all right. Yeah, downright it's big.